welcome to What Are You Hungry For? The podcast about food, of course, but also connections, curiosity, discovery, and more. I'm your host, Nancy Martz, Executive Director of Apple's to Zucchini Cooking School, where our mission is to teach children and their families how to prepare delicious, nutritious, affordable meals made from real food. I've been passionate about cooking and eating for as long as I can remember. Five years ago, I started a cooking school for kids, and I love to talk to everyone about anything that has to do with food, growing it, cooking it, eating it. I'm super excited to talk with today's guest. Looking back on her upbringing, it's no wonder Taylor DeVries found herself working in food service marketing and public relations. Growing up on a farm with avocados, macadamia nuts, and various tropical fruits in Santa Barbara County, Taylor truly knows the ins and outs of farm to table. And when she wasn't chasing dogs through the rows of cherimoya trees, she was winding her way through the back of the house tunnels where her dad worked. It was this hands-on approach that allowed Taylor to fully experience multiple sides of the food and beverage industry. As a teen, she dreamt of opening her own bakery. Alas, after learning that baking classes started at 2.30 in the morning, let me repeat, 2.30 in the morning. Taylor opted for traditional college with 8 a.m. classes at the University of San Diego. She now works at Evans, Hardy & Young, where she currently represents the National Honey Board and California Walnut Board and Commission. Welcome, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Do you always get a little overwhelmed when you hear like, oh, what? Are they talking about me? (laughs) I do a little bit. It's interesting to hear my food background because I look at where I am today and I'm like, oh, I think I was made for this position. Right. So. Where were these macadamia nuts and cherimoya trees and what hotels or restaurants did you run amok in? Sure. So um, my family actually moved to Carpinteria um, about 30 plus years ago um, and they found uh, a ranch in the Carpinteria foothills. Um, and my, while my dad was working um, at, uh, he worked at the Biltmore, he worked at, uh, it was the Red Lion that became the Fest Parker, which is now the Hilton Beachfront. Um he was becoming a farmer on the side. Um, so the property. So, came so macadamia fruit. nuts will grow in Santa Barbara County. They will. Yes. Uh, right in Carpinteria. Um, they had, I think about five or six acres of them. Um, and then 16 acres of farmland in total. Wow. Um, are they, st- are, is your family still down there and are they still growing all this? They are. They sold off uh, the part of land that had the macadamia nuts, but they still have um, avocados, chamoyas, um, pomegranates. I love going over the house. They currently have blood oranges. So I try to steal some of that juice for uh, mimosas in the morning. Yeah. So the pomegranate season is literally like a day. I feel like it goes <laughs> so fast. It does. My uh, mom likes to take any dried pomegranates and put them in bases for floral designs. Um, So if you can't, if you can't get them in the right season, you know, they can be repurposed for a a centerpiece for the table. Yeah. Well, what I found at farmer's market when it was the last weekend for pomegranates, I bought six of them because I knew they'll just sit on the counter for several weeks and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, but I was like, kids, this is it. This is the last pomegranate. <laughs> I just, I didn't realize like how quick the season was, but oh my gosh, I love pomegranates. Um, okay. So the Biltmore two summers ago before COVID we did, um, we did our summer camp and one of our field trips was to the pastry chef and the pastry kitchen at the Biltmore. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. So you just like had kind of free reign in, in like these kitchens and stuff. 
I didn't really remember the uh, Biltmore as much. So uh, my dad actually worked as the um, director of hospitality and rooms. Um, so especially at the Fest Parker, you know, when I was there, when I was little, I would come after school. And of course, I always have to have a, you know, a cookie from the from the Fest Parker. Um, right. So always kind of wind my way through those uh, back of house kitchens. And there's a lot of tunnels and corridors for the catering departments. And it's um, it's definitely a hidden maze back there. Yeah, that's what we discovered. I'm sure the Biltmore must be similar. Um, just to get to the pastry kitchen, yeah, we were winding all you know around these things, and and our summer campers were just fascinated. I mean, it's just you feel like you're behind the scenes because you are. It's um, mm-hmm. it's really exciting. So that's that's so neat that you that you know all of that. Um, so. So tell me more about commodity boards. I think I kind of have a little of an understanding, but I think you could probably describe it better than I can. Sure. So it's actually something I really started to learn about um, about seven years ago when I joined Evans, Hardy & Young. Um, They're a local agency in Santa Barbara, and that is their specialty. Um, So a commodity board would be representing um, usually any sort of ingredient, and not necessarily a brand. So the one you might be familiar with the most would be the California Milk Advisory Board. Uh, They're responsible for the Got Milk commercials. So they're not representing necessarily a single brand of milk, just California dairy uh, in general. So with the National Honey Board, for example, uh, we represent all honey across the US, uh, including imports. So no favorite beekeeper, just all the beekeepers. And so how is it that you represent the imports as well? That's I, that's really interesting. Sure. So um, those that bottle the honey, they um, pay a small um, fee per pound of honey that's sold. I believe it's about a penny or a penny and a half. Um, and that money goes into um, a marketing fund as well as bee research. Um, so it kind of goes into a bigger umbrella fund. And then we uh, use that for their marketing purposes. And does any of that, are, are you guys involved at all in the, the colony collapse? Um, well, so we don't necessarily represent the, the bees, um, but of course, representing honey, you know, of course you want to represent the bees. Um, so uh, uh, we do um, give a, a percentage of funds every year to, um, to other, I guess, it wouldn't be agencies, but it would be... Um, like nonprofits that represent the bees. So there's one called Ape, Project APSM, which is the um, name for the, it's the Latin honeybee. Um, and they're the ones that really um, focus on the bee research and bee health and colony collapse and, you know, um, ways to prevent that, um, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So if we eat more honey, do we support the bees? Great question. Yes. A lot of people think that when we eat honey, um, it's actually taking honey away from the bees um, and then that's hurting the bees. Um, Or in fact, honey that's sold is taken from uh, boxes. So those white boxes and they're called supers. Um, So we'll leave a couple boxes for uh, the bees to eat throughout the winter. Um, and then they, they keep producing honey no matter what. So there will always be a surplus. So we take the surplus um, sell it and then take that money and put it back into bee research. Excellent. Well, that is good to know because I put honey in my tea every morning with breakfast Love and it. midday at when I have my lunchtime tea 
and I put it in our granola that I make. I, I love honey. I get the big, big jars at farmer's market um, yes. <laughs> about every two weeks. So, um, and we use a lot of honey at apples to zucchini as well. Um, so, so I have a couple of questions then about walnuts. So you mentioned the commodity of walnuts. So, and you mentioned like got milk. So what about, I'm familiar with diamond almonds and planters peanuts those are not commodities those are companies correct yes although okay. they are part of um so diamond they produce uh walnuts and almonds so they are part of both the um california almond board and the california walnut board okay okay so it's just it's a representative group yes um so I have some of my favorite walnut recipes from California walnuts. I would love to hear what some of yours are. Sure. Um, so recently we've really been doing that plant-based push. Um, and I love the, the chorizo um, that you can make because I think a lot of people don't realize um, the protein in, in walnuts. Uh, I believe it's four grams per ounce. Um, so for those people that are just doing maybe meatless Monday, or they are doing vegan or vegetarian, or just trying to incorporate more plants into their diet. Um, it's a really interesting and versatile way to do that. Um, so you could do essentially it's a walnut meat replacement. And depending on the spices that you use, you could make it into a chorizo. You can make it into an Italian crumble. Uh, we've done a Chinese with the Chinese five spice seasoning, um, and made it into like a, a crepe or a walnut bing. Um, so I think just really the versatility of that. Um, and then of course, if you want to go a little bit savory, you can't go wrong with like a baklava or a, um, you know, a carrot cake. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite is I love that chorizo. Um, I've even made a double batch and put it in the freezer and it's, it's great, you know, coming right out of the freezer. Um, and then the other night I made the white bean walnut hummus that you guys have in the cookbook. Um, and I decided that I wanted to do it by hand and have it a little chunkier. Okay. Almost, it was almost like, you know, you there's like the chickpea salad that's a replacement mm -hmm. for, you know, chicken salad. It was, it was kind of chunky enough to be like that rather than smooth. And okay. I actually used the mortar and pestle to grind up the walnuts. And it was a really satisfying kind of crunch. It was, um, it? I'd never done it before. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a confession. I actually didn't, wouldn't eat walnuts until I think this past, maybe a year ago, I was at the farmer's market here in Santa Barbara at the Saturday market. And there's a, there's a farmer there and I can't remember their name. I know exactly where they are and they have a lot of dried fruits and nuts. And then they also have like fresh greens. And he has fruit leathers. And then he has these things that he calls persimmon walnut nougat. Yum. So they're like a thick fruit leather with walnuts. And I said, yeah, but I don't really like walnuts. And he said, oh, you think they're bitter? I said, yeah. He said, well, then you're eating them when they're too old. They're not good. You shouldn't eat them when they're like that. Here, take these. And the thing is, COVID it must have already started because he wasn't doing samples. And so I had to take a leap of faith and buy a bag of these things. And I, they knocked my socks off. They're so good. And so now as a result of him encouraging me, and then you guys providing all these great recipes and walnuts to A to Z, I am a total convert to walnuts. I, I think they're that. amazing. 
Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize um, that they can get better too. So they have those plant-based omega-3 ALAs. So if you don't store them properly, um, so like in the fridge or the, or the freezer, they will go bitter. Um, and they you know, go bitter pretty, they, yeah. yeah, they go bitter pretty quickly. Um, so this, um, in the fall, we were doing something with, with the walnuts. Oh, we were doing a spiced nut mix. Um, and we had walnuts from you guys and the kids opened the bag and they, oh, like, this isn't, this isn't right. So the volunteer smelled and she goes, nope, these ones have turned. Fortunately, we had plenty of, of other walnuts in the refrigerator, but it was a fantastic lesson for the kids. Mm-hmm. If it smells bad, whether it's walnuts or milk or cheese, like <laughs> don't eat it. So, um, so it was, it was a fantastic lesson. I, I, I took it around to all the kids here, smell this. And they were all like, ah, oh, that's horrible. And I said, that's what you need to be looking for is if something smells bad. So, um, but yeah, they, they go really quick, but, um, that doesn't happen very often in our kitchen anymore because we're, we're, we're getting better about storing them. Right. But we're also using them in a lot of our recipes. Um, so, um, there are some great recipes that combine walnuts and honey, right? You mentioned baklava. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things that you would, that you would do with both of those? Well, I know with your kids, you guys did a, a walnut date ball, um, I believe yes. and you can use honey to bind it. Um, because you know, honey of course is a sweetener, but you can use about half of what you would use with the traditional granulated sugar. So to get that same sweetness, um, so you can cut down on the sugar, but also, um, is a great binder, uh, great for smoothies. Um, honey is a great emulsifier, um, you can also put it in baked goods. Um, you just have to adjust the temperature on the oven just a little bit um, to, oh. to make up. Why that. is that? Uh, just the um, the honey has um, a different viscosity um, than it would, um, you know, a traditional sugar or if you use like a molasses. Um, so you just want to, I guess, adjust for um, just to retain that moisture. Um, oh, interesting. Also, yeah. Oh, that's to, fascinating. To yeah, to get that right uh, texture. Yeah. Um, so um, we have been we have been in the pandemic now for almost a year, and I'm curious, what are some joys that you have discovered or rediscovered during the pandemic? Um, let's see. As far as food, um, you know, I really enjoy. Um, even though I know the industry right now is um, suffering quite a bit um, with the uh, restrictions in place, I really enjoy seeing the creativity that comes from it. Um, Restaurants that maybe wouldn't do delivery before that are really getting creative. Um, You know, I've seen restaurants deliver toilet paper with an order or, you know, turning um, their, their restaurant into a market, you know, selling uh, those bottles of wine um, at, at retail or wholesale. Um, so I really like seeing that, um, it is hard not, you know, going out to happy hour, going out and visiting, uh, chefs, um, and certain restaurants, of course, aren't faring as well. You know, when you order out, um, you don't have that fine dining experience that you would get, um, you know, if, if you sat, um, in a restaurant, but, um, I really do like seeing what they're doing. Yeah, I love what's happening on State Street. Um, I used to live in Europe, and even through the winter, they would have dining outdoors. It was very, very common. 
And so much of the experience was just sitting there before your meal, taking your time to order, sitting there after and just watching the whole city walk by. And I'm just so thrilled um, that that our town has embraced that and, and been able to, to do that. Um, and we have water for it too. We do. That's, I mean, that's the amazing thing, how lucky we are. Um, so we were recently at Oliver's in Montecito and they have a huge patio. Their outside dining is bigger than their inside dining. Um, and they have fire and I, I had to take my jacket off. I mean, it was toasty warm. It was really, really nice. Uh, so We've, we've only been out, my husband and I, I think have only eaten out five times in the past year, um, which is pretty startling when I actually think about it. Um, but I, you know, I feel like we are going to appreciate happy hours so much when we can all do it. And I, I think, um, I think people are going to, they're going to, they're really going to embrace it when we have that chance. Um, I think also though, maybe the one downside is, you know, if I'm uh, pouring a drink at home, I'm going to make it a little bit stronger because, um, I'm not paying for it. Right. And then if we go out to happy hour, I might wonder why I can't taste the alcohol in my drink anymore. That is true. That is true. It's, um, it's interesting to see, yeah, the, the shift in, in the kinds of things that we're, (laughs) that we're drinking, um, and not having to, not having to think twice about it. Um, the Uber drivers, I'm sure, will be very, very happy when the pandemic is over. Sure. <laughs> um, so, so the 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 name of the podcast is "What Are You Hungry For?" So, my question for you, and this doesn't have to be food. This can be in this moment, right now. What 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 are you hungry for? What are you seeking that would feed your soul? Oh gosh, great question. Um, I think I want a sense of, of normalcy again and, and whatever that um, entails. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, I hate seeing all these chefs and restaurants suffering. I love seeing their creativity, but, you know, I don't know how much longer they can hold out. Um, with my position, I do get to travel a lot and really get to um, go to a lot of cool cities and see what they're doing with food. Um, and I haven't been able to do that. So I would love just to be able to travel again and and see what all these great, especially independent restaurants um, are doing and and how they're coping. Yeah, I I can definitely echo that. Um, my with my job, I didn't need to travel much, but we enjoyed traveling for fun, and we've definitely missed that. And um, we have a few trips on the calendar, and we're just crossing our fingers and hoping um, hoping that those will happen. Um, Apples to Zucchini Cooking School is supported by California Walnuts. If you think of walnuts as a Christmas decoration or something to mix into brownies, you're missing out. Visit walnuts.org for amazing recipes like vegan chorizo, walnut pesto, firehouse chili, white bean and walnut hummus, and so much more. If you're looking for a more filling breakfast, a delicious on-the-go snack, or easy ways to incorporate real food, vegan protein into your diet, look no further than California Walnuts. My own personal favorite is the white bean walnut hummus. We will be pairing it with Brussels sprouts in a few weeks, and I love it in little lettuce cups for lunch. Visit walnuts.org for recipes and ideas. All right, Taylor, now it is time for the lightning round. Sweet or savory? Savory. Cake or pie? Oh, gosh. You know what? I love cake, but I make a really good Dutch apple crumb pie. Ooh, what do you put on the top? 
Oh, I do. Um, it's just a crumble of uh, flour, sugar, cinnamon, butter, um, but it's just, it melts perfectly right into the apples. Oh, that sounds delicious. Um, even though this is off season, I'm still curious, turkey or stuffing? Can I do both and put it in a sandwich? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> That's a great. So really, it's not about Thursday night. It's about Friday. <laughs> no, you have, you have to take the leftover rolls if there are any and make a, a, a Thanksgiving sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can just skip the turkey. I will just take a plate of stuffing and mashed potatoes and I'm perfectly happy. Um, breakfast, lunch or dinner? I love dinner, but I'm going to combine breakfast and lunch and call it brunch. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Right. I think we were talking about mimosas, right? So it all, right. it's all coming back together. Uh, do you follow a recipe or do you like to wing it? I like to follow a recipe. I really prefer baking. Um, so with baking, you have to be very precise. Um, with cooking, you can be a little bit, uh, you know, you can kind of do your own thing, but I like to follow the rules. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite pizza topping? Just good pepperoni. Just, you can tell it's, you know, mm. the good cup of pepperoni. Yes. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, what is something that your kitchen is never without? Let's see. I always have good olive oil. It's from Ina mm. Garden. You know, she always says have the good olive oil. So I make sure I have good olive oil in the cupboard. Now, do you have a cooking olive oil and a finishing olive oil? I have a finishing white truffle oil that I'll use oh. on pasta. Excellent. Well, I would love to come to your kitchen sometime. Please um, do. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. I am thrilled to have you and to get to know you a little bit better. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of What Are You Hungry For? Be sure to visit us at www.a-to-zcookingschool.org for more information about our classes. Uh, you can also make a donation, which will help us expand our classes to more organizations. And be sure to check out walnuts.org. And what is the Honey, what is the honey uh, website, Taylor? It's honey.com. So easy to remember. Honey, easy. Honey.com. All right. Well, thank you, Taylor. And stay fresh, everybody.